0: Yo, this weirdo really starting a podcast? Yeah, girl, he have been like that since birth. Always gotta do everything yeah. the, the weirdo way. way. The, the weirdo way. way. The, the weirdo way. The weirdo way. That's right, sis. Always gotta do everything the weirdo way. Welcome, weirdos! <laughs> to the weirdo way podcast. I am your host, weirdo way. Do me a favor right now, right now, take a moment, like, rate, review, five stars, five stars, five stars, because if you're gonna do anything in this life, you might as well do it to the best of your abilities. We wanna continue to grow this community out of weirdos, and you guys have been doing a great job of telling the friends to tell friends to like and rate and follow on Instagram and Twitter, at weirdoway, but the Apple algorithm says, I need to keep asking you all to, to follow and rate and review. And I think the reviews get weighted heavier, so if you guys could go ahead, write in the comments, tell them how you feel. Tell me how you feel. I love seeing the feedback. You guys have been great DMing me and letting me know what you feel. And I need your energy. (laughs) Shout out to Big Crit. So I'm gonna give you guys a second to go ahead and do that, and I'm going to work on these enunciation exercises. Ready, go. Fred fed Ted bread and Ted fed Fred bread. I slit the sheet. The sheet I slit and on the slitted sheet I sit. How can a clam cram in a clean cream can? Whoa, Z. Weirdos, I miss y'all so, so much. Like, can you give yourself a hug for me right now? I've just had so much to say and so little time to say, it, and I've really missed y'all. And I know it's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a dope pod to step to. But we're back, yeah? And you could have been listening to any podcast in the world, but you're here with me. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Round of applause to you. <laughs> Because there are a lot of podcasts out there, yeah? And I listen to so many of them. We really are in the golden age of content, and I'm just trying to help do my part. In fact, the first iteration of this was going to be called The Podcast About Podcast. <laughs> there's so many podcasts. I think there's a podcast for every cringy, never forget, 9-11 I saw last month. <gasps> Clutches Pearls. Weirdo, you know, we're not supposed to say things like that. First off, this is America, not North Korea. We should be able to think and say the things that are on our minds, right? While we still have the ability to do that. (laughs) Luckily, this podcast is a weirdos only zone. Yeah. So this is, this is our safe space and the weirdos by now, you know, the model, but in case you're new to this proceedings, I don't tell you what to think, right? I just ask if you would like to, I might tell you how I think, but I'm not telling you what to think. Yeah. So let's think about the phrase never forget 9-11. Yeah. First and foremost, it's hard for me to separate the way my emotions of that day and our collective emotions of that day were used and manipulated for capitalist gain, propaganda, and the most terrible human rights atrocities on earth, like of all time. And phrases like never forget were instrumental in that sort of propaganda. It's hard for me not to be cynical when I hear that phrase and think on the mental manipulation, the emotional manipulation that no one will ever have to really be accountable. No one in any sort of leadership position will ever really be accountable for right? So that's one part of it then you go to the part of like the idea of never forget the phrase never forget memories are extremely fickle we give them so we act as if our memories are so ironclad and they really are not there's a reason why like People try to get statements, whether it be a car accident or a crime, right after it happens. Because the more time between the event that happens and the way in which you tell your story, the more and more unreliable your memories become, right? It's the reason why, like, in... in um. Criminal cases, people are cast doubt on, even lineups after a certain amount of time, or eyewitness testimony, yeah? Dan Barry, the esteemed writer for the New York Times, sharply and skillfully surmises this sentiment that I'm trying to awkwardly articulate (laughs) in his essay, What Does It Mean to Never Forget? And he cites a survey of 3,000 people who were asked about where they were on 9-11. And a year later, asked them again. And 40% of the story that they told were different. For example, a man who may have said he was in the office on 9-11 actually was on a train or said he was on a train a year prior. But the conviction in which they told those stories or believed in their memories were super high, right? They had extreme confidence in their false memories, right? So when you say never forget, um... We kind of already have, at least as far as our personal narratives go, you know, because what does it say to be an American, but not remember exactly where you were on 9-11, even if we were children, some of us, you know, but as an adult, when I hear never forget, it's hard for me not to think about the civil liberties lost in the legislation that was passed in that era that we have still yet to get back, that we probably will never get back. You know, it's the, how you boil a frog alive, right? You don't just turn the temperature all the way up and let the water boil and then put the frog in it. The frog will just jump out. As the parable goes, you put the frog in the water in the pot first. You slowly turn the temperature up. And then before that frog can realize that it's being cooked alive, it is dead. And that's just kind of one way I think illustrates the erosion of our civil liberties, you know, whether it be the passage of the Patriot Act or the formation of the NSA or in the next administration, the passage of National Defense Authorization Act. Go look at what some of those um, bills and legislations allowed for in response, you know, to our Fear, you know, and what we allowed or what we didn't even realize we were giving up. When I hear never forget, it takes me back to how for capitalistic gain, a lot of these sports leagues wrap themselves in the flag. And then said that you were somehow less American if you disagreed with them wrapping themselves in the flag. All while leagues like the NFL were getting paid by the Department of Defense to do patriotism, do little flyovers to unfurl the flags and have soldiers on the field. That was paid patriotism. You know, John McCain, rest in peace. That was one thing that really upset him. You know, the idea that you would pay a league to uh, perform patriotism. Right. And then sell merch with military camouflage on and don't even realize like the, the. problem with that you know and y'all know i'm big on trust but verify so make sure you go verify what i'm telling you dod paid for patriotism national football league go google that see what comes up one of the things when colin kaepernick um became a martyr figuratively one of the things that really upset me is that this isn't this is not north korea again i don't know why i keep on calling out north korea in this episode but this is not north korea this is america right so if i don't want to stand for the national anthem i should not have to Me personally, I mean, my situation is different, but like you civilian citizen, you don't have to be patriotic if you don't want to. If you don't want to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, no one's going to take you in the back of the school and shoot you in the head for not showing your loyalty. Except for that's what we kind of have been brainwashed into believing has to happen. Somehow you love America less if you don't want to perform patriotism. On the contrary, I could make the argument that you're being more American by exercising your right to freedom of expression by not. Except for we believe if you don't perform patriotism in a certain way, somehow you should be lose your job as a quarterback in the NFL. You know, like I don't even want to get into the depths of like my feelings about the Colin Kaepernick situation specifically because I think people know. But think about what we're talking about here. This is a game in which players play it with domestic violence on their record sexual assaults traumatic brain injuries every play you're running it there's no weight classes in football right so a 295 pound man could just run over as fast as he can to tackle a 175 pound man and we just, the, all that stuff is just normal you know that's just normal for us and They're throwing an oblong ball or trying to carry an oblong ball for as far as they can. And in 2021, they somehow still use middle-aged men with sticks and chains to measure the distances in 10-yard increments. Like... (laughs) And the least athletic people on the field are responsible for spotting where the ball ended up last. (laughs) It's just, it's an absurd game if you really sit and dissect it, but it's ours and we're going to stick beside it. When you really break it down, it's such a ridiculous thing that we have now turned into religion in this country. Football is religion in our country. It is now the beer and circus of our time. And Basically, for those who don't know, beer and circus just kind of means something to like pacify the masses. Um, to make them like distract the masses, make them content with other silly things, so we never question our current conditions in this capitalist society that we have built for ourselves. And the elites can do what they do, which is is like, steal trillions of dollars in offshore accounts. Those offshore accounts just happened to me in South Dakota. Read the Pandora Papers. <laughs> I'll oh, well, have to keep from crying. Like I maintain that the George Floyd movement would have never taken off the way it did if there was football on TV, if there were sports going on, <laughs> because there's something about having to like not having that distraction of and Circus that makes you really think about the society that we've built for ourselves and get upset about it. But I digress from my digression before this game in which they throw an oblong ball. As far as they can from one end to the other, in order to go into a rectangular box, we make this whole spectacle of unfurling this flag with all these troops on the field and over and all this stuff. What does what is the connection there other than you want to sell patriotism, you want to perform patriotism to give your game somehow more legitimacy when it is just that a game? You know what I'm saying? People say I don't want politics with my sports, but all those things I just mentioned, the flyover with the jets and the flag on the field that's (laughs) i feel like they get bigger and bigger every year um the troops on the field i mean next they're gonna make you start saying the pledge of allegiance at before every game those are all political acts that you've never even questioned those are the politics with your sport you know what another episode another day let's get back to never forget (laughs) people say never forget 9-11 Right? But what good is never forgetting 9-11 if 60% of the first responders that were there that day have a World Trade Center related illness, which is tragic, right? But there are people in our Congress. I mean, you can guess which party who didn't want to fund the First Responders Care Act until they were shamed by a comedian, John Stewart, into doing so. Like, look at the numbers. So from 2001 to 2004, the Care Act was authorized. Then it stopped. Then a comedian had to come up. And shame them in 2011 to reauthorize it. And then again in 2019, when it was about to run out of funds, he had to pop up again to shame them to reauthorize it. What good is never forgetting if you're going to forget about the people who rescued and ran in there and were the first on the scene? Because the cost was too great, they said. Which, you know, if you listen to the last episode of the Weirdo Way podcast, that is laughable. And then I can't help in 2021, right, when I hear that, think of the hypocrisy in the idea. And I don't say any of this to diminish the horrific tragedy of what 9-11 was. I say it to magnify the hypocrisy and the politics of COVID response. On September 11, 2001, we lost 2,096 American citizen, innocent American citizen lives. And for 20 years, we fought a war over it. We've I mean, you guys remember the last episode I don't have to keep on listening to stats to you guys when COVID attacked us to this point, we've lost 750,000 plus lives and the same people who want me to never forget about September 11th because we lost those lives and those towers to those evil terrorists are the same people when the terrorist of COVID-19 came to America. And thousands and hundreds of thousands of people every day were dying and nurses were overworked and hospitals were overflowing and ICUs were pushed to the brink. Those same people who told me to never forget 9-11, who told me to never forget 9-11 more the most fervently refused to wear a mask, refused to social distance, didn't abide by our shutdown, scoffed at every COVID protocol. And even now. While we have lost 750,000 plus American citizens to the terrorists of COVID-19, many refuse to get vaccinated to save American lives. The hypocrisy is staggering. (laughs) It just goes to show that as with most things, American justice, it is not about the crime. It is about the criminal. Not to say I don't understand vaccine hesitancy, I do. Not to say I don't understand a healthy distrust of government and authority. I do. But the hypocrisy is staggering. Mm. And lastly, uh <laughs> the thing I think about when people tell me to never forget 9-11 is that usually people who tell me to never forget the loudest are the ones who tell me to forget about like slavery and jim crow and like that was so long ago why don't you let it go why don't you move on it was in the past and i always find that kind of funny if i i just kind of like okay Sean Hannity, Larry Elder, who was going to get the bad weirdo energy of the week, except for um, we're not going to have time. But Larry Elder is the Republican candidate who ran for uh, California governor in the recall election. And I guess to summarize all skin folk and kin folk (laughs) and. Larry Elder, bad weirdo energy of the week. Lo- Laura, Laura, is it Ingraham? Like those types. Like, okay. You are the czar of what I can forget and never forget. <laughs> what I should move past and what I should dwell on for the rest of eternity. Okay. Fair enough. Whatever suits your political agenda. Hashtag never forget. but like i always say i decided to give my love and loyalty to america unwaveringly a long time ago in spite of what i know and because of what i know at the same time but love is accountability i always tell y'all that right and i'm a student of baldwin so i must critique america because i love her and i need her to be to live up to the values in which we say we want to live up to be what we say we are Damn, weirdo, you spent so much time on the intro. We was just supposed to land a plane about there being a lot of podcasts and say thank you again that they chose this one. Round of applause again to you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever told y'all the word away with a straight line, but you love it anyway. But we got to get into it. We got a new reviews on the biggest artists alive right now. Dropped a project. I want to do a quick review Z on that. And then we got a real big, serious topic that we need to talk about. So without further ado, into so ah, I water water with, with Lego. Wow. The Wear podcast way out across the pond. This is sick. Wear winning. Texas did it (laughs) y'all shamefully but they did it Texas finally found a way to subvert Roe v. Wade, which is the right for a woman to decide for herself whether or not she wants to carry a baby to term without excessive restrictions from the government. If you guys haven't heard this story, the Texas legislature basically had somebody else, you know, craft up. Because what you have to understand is most people we elect to Congress are not actually smart enough to craft up, a, write up a bill themselves or care enough. Usually what they care about is who's donating the most money to their campaigns and then they allow them to write the bill and then they just become the mouthpiece for that most famous this happens on the right with evil organizations such as alec right or they'll have some generically harmless name like americans for the advancement of america and that would be a super PAC, and they get all sorts of shadow money dark money from all sorts of places but because of supreme court rulings like citizens united you will never know where the money comes from your legislator will have an intern copy and paste that bill sometimes poorly right and then slap the legislator's name on the bill and act as if they wrote it organically themselves no that's not what happens it's really quite third world if you think about it right third world bribery i'm going to give you money and give you a bill in exchange for my sizable donation what i need you to do is pretend that this is your bill pretend that you worked on it with the other people who i gave money to and push it through the legislation even if the people who you represent do not agree with this bill it's not the democracy that we want (laughs) but it's a democracy that we deserve by virtue of being disengaged citizens at every turn. Anyway, back to the topic. Someone else probably wrote this bill for the Texas legislature. And what they did is they basically have created a bounty system in which any private citizen can sue anyone who is in need of an abortion, gets an abortion, helps to get an abortion, drive someone to an abortion clinic. Basically, they have incentivized, you guys ever seen a recess? Remember Randall? They have incentivized the Randalls of our society. <laughs> <laughs> to turn in and file lawsuits on anyone in need of abortion. The unique evil of this law that allows it to pass is that government agencies cannot enforce this law, right? So it has to be done private citizen on private citizen, turning us against each other, which is how the Supreme Court was able to sidestep and say, hey, they're not asking any government agencies to enforce it, so it's not unconstitutional. Mm. No, we don't have the same law degrees that a lot of the Supreme Court justices have, but you don't you don't get to insult our collective intelligence, right? By not ruling on this law, you have made the Supreme Court now a partisan political stunt, which believe it or not is not what it was supposed to be. When they do things like this, they undermine their very own credibility. And the Supreme Court has been getting on my nerves for a very long time now. Back in November of 2020, I had to email my old college professor who I'm manifesting this now will be on this podcast one day. <laughs> I had to ask him, like, does the Supreme Court just get to make things up as they go and call? interpretation of the constitution i don't know how many people know this but the supreme court really only has power because we say so does that make sense like there's no sort of like law governing what the supreme court is or saying what power they have other than we just decide we're going to follow them but when the supreme court does something like this political stunt they just pulled by not striking down this texas abortion law undermining their own legitimacy because again abortion is not like people act like it's some sort of polarizing issue and it's really not i believe like 70 of americans agree that abortion should be legal in some way shape or form so when Supreme Court says that, no, actually, because we're all pro-life Republicans, so we're going to enforce minority rule on you, they're undermining their own power. One, imagine Your whole steeds is supposed to be upholding and protecting the constitution of the land. And we have this constitutional precedent, Roe v. Wade, and you're like, except for the parts that we don't like or we don't personally believe in or disagree with our faith, right? There's supposed to be a separation of church and state, but you letting your faith play a role in your judicial decision, your judicial ruling, even the appearance of that is gross. And you want to hide behind technicalities for not doing your job? Unacceptable unacceptable then you know you're fucked up so you're out here going on tours and on talks talking about we're not a political partisan court don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining don't tell me this guy is red when i know it's blue so it's going to be interesting to see how they go forth and restore that because again they are going against the will of the people on this one 70 percent of americans believe that abortion should be legal in some way shape or form it's really even kind of comical coming from a party that is constantly preaching personal liberty and um sovereignty and less government reach and autonomy of self don't tread on me etc etc until their arbitrary morality decides to pop out (laughs) and we'll get into that a little later as a matter of fact there's so much i would rather be talking about than this issue right now but i can't help myself because nothing really grinds my gears as much as this issue of abortion rights you know like i would rather be talking about the upcoming election in minneapolis in which you know the police department is on the ballot whether we should reimagine policing we have mayor fry on the ballot and you know i want to get him about the paint maybe i could squeeze in another episode just before the election in november i hope you guys are all registered to vote right now please go make sure you're registered to vote this election is too important to sit out you know what i might have to figure out a way to give y'all the election special episode even though ain't nobody paying for me yet i care about the weirdos man. i want the weirdos to be informed voters that's not what we're talking about right now right now what we're speaking about is reproductive rights and i come to you guys with a very simple proposition maybe be the right word <laughs> i would like to mandate vasectomies that's right i want to create a grassroots effort to where we draft some legislation put it in front of congress let them read from a verbatim and pass it into law that codifies <laughs> pun intended codifies into law vasectomies for all men above the age of 18 the genesis of this thought has been brewing in my head for damn near a decade now specifically wondering aloud whether or not i should get a vasectomy you know whenever there was a new procedure or technology out me and my real deal homegirl would like send like send them to each other in the kind of laugh like all right you could be a pioneer if you want to go do it but i just always felt like we we're approaching the issue of reproductive rights from the wrong angle you know what i'm saying i think Instead of asking women to remember to take a pill at a certain time or, or get a IUD up their vulva implant, whatever in their arms, you know what I'm saying? These things have side effects as, you know, rare, but they do. Um, instead of, you know, putting all this time and energy and shutting down abortion clinics, we need to put funding into opening up vasectomy centers all across the country. (laughs) And they've made a lot of advancements in this area. I mean, there's Vasagil. Vasagel, um, there was a switch one where you could like turn and on and off. Um, yep, that's right. You'd be able to turn your semen on and off. And of course, you could get this procedure when you're 18 years old. My brethren tell me that the best time to get the vasectomy is during the NCAA college basketball tournament, March Madness. So you sync it up right so you can stay at home and just watch games all day. You'll be a college basketball expert by the time it's all over and you just recover and then you get back to work. And then when you decide that the time is right for you to have a family, you find the right woman or or man that you want to settle down with. Y'all can have that discussion and then you could reverse the procedure. Too easy. It's too simple. Or you flip your switch back on. (laughs) And I think the gentleman can relate to this. Like I don't want a baby before a certain time frame where I'm ready. I think I just want to get a vasectomy because, you know, I don't want power taken out of my hands. I want control of whether or not I reproduce, you know, <laughs> and mainly because I was under the belief that, you know, constitutional law already kind of decided that Roe v. Wade, a woman's right to abortion was kind of secure. So I thought, tisk tisk. But for some odd patriarchal reason, I've never heard anyone debate a man's right to a vasectomy if a man wants a vasectomy he gets one there's no laws passed or debate at the supreme court nah just goes (laughs) it just happens what I would like to see now is I want it mandated because gentlemen, we can save so much time and energy and argument and arbitrary morality. Instead of trying to control women's bodies, let's try to control our own. Save money on contraceptives and child support. And just think of the benefits of society, gentlemen. <laughs> I know this makes sense. For far too long, we have made women carry the burden of reproductive rights. Why should they get to have all the fun? Weight gain and acne and mood swings and all these things that that they have had to shoulder the burden of society all this time. When gentlemen, we could pitch in. Time to tag them out, tap in, snip, snip. We can quite literally nip this problem in the bud. All right, y'all, no more dad jokes, no more dad jokes, I think. So when I say that no issue kind of grinds my gears as much as abortion rights, it started young. I'm not joking. Like I remember, and it started not even based off of abortion. It started because there were like pro-lifers in the legislature that were trying to defund Planned Parenthood. Yeah. As a young, you know, 18 year old, 19, 20, 21 year old, I didn't really know about the role of abortion in Planned Parenthood or the role of abortion in, you know, far all right in right wing political platforms. I really only knew Planned Parenthood because whenever I wanted to get tested or I needed some condoms, I didn't have no insurance or anything like that. I would go to Planned Parenthood and they would give me tests and they would talk to me about safe sex and they would educate me on different things. And they were always so pleasant and so nice. And it was always my favorite price of free ninety nine because I was broke when I was young, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like even you know, even in the even though I was in the military, like I wasn't going to the VA to get S T D screenings or whatever. So in my head, I'm like, why would they want to defund an organization as great as this one? And I've always been big on safe sex, regular testing, especially when you're young and dumb and full of cum (laughs) and you live in the party district of your city or wherever, you know, and you having casual sex, which there's no shame in that, but be responsible. And ain't no fraud in me. Ain't no pick me like performative shit for this podcast. Like my homies will tell you some of the earliest arguments we had was around this very concept right where we would debate whether or not how good unprotected sex feel outweighed the risk that comes with that unprotected sex and even though i was very much team condom like the team captain mm-hmm. as lil wayne taught us all as young weirdos safe sex is great sex better use a latex because you don't want that latex that i think i'm latex but I would still want to be tested after every encounter just because I thought like, why not? You know, and Planned Parenthood was actually who taught me was like, actually, sir, get tested every like what? Six months, just minimum once a year, which y'all should do that. I hope you're doing that um, because even if you were infected with something, it would be like six to eight weeks at the earliest before something would like show up. And they'd be like, unless you are in a known, you know, exposure or you're experiencing some sort of symptoms, someone calls you and tells you that they had SC you should go get tested then you don't need to come in here after every every time you have sex. okay um you're costing us money they didn't say that but i'm sure that was a sentiment young weirdo was a paranoid human being so i ended up being like you know what i'll do uptown planned parenthood only wants to see me two times a year. Okay, perfect. But then there's a clinic downtown called Red Door. I'm going to see them two times a year. That's four times a year. I can be tested and make sure that my healthy, happy body stays healthy and happy. Make sure I'm being responsible and taking care of myself and my sexual partners. And that rant is a true story told for the benefit of the young weirdos out in the audience. Abstinence is always an option, but if not, be responsible and as always, seek consent. And fuck it, we'll do it. I really hate the stigma around STDs, like the way we treat them, like people are affected with them and you would never even know it, right? But we say these things and make these jokes and act as if it's like some sort of um, death sentence or like mark of shame when like people have complex stories and life is messy. And sometimes you can just get unlucky and none of us is beyond reproach. So to cast judgment or shame because they just randomly happen to get less lucky than you really just befuddles the fuck out of me which truly is the same for abortion, like shaming someone for having an abortion. I promise you, you know of someone who has had one, who's needed to have one, or who just wanted to have one. And there's a great chance that the person who had it or needed to have it was a pro-lifer. I know of those who share misinformation, consistently shared until they needed an abortion. And then it was all of a sudden okay for them. They did the mental gymnastics to rationalize why it was okay for them to have it when they needed it, not even needed, wanted it. Wait, like, first of all, I'm a man, so I've never been at risk of of having to get an abortion and I've never even really had a real pregnancy scare with somebody who I was with right I mean if you listen to the trailer the closest I've ever come to facing an abortion I wasn't even born yet shout out mama I love you so give me grace I'm a man discussing women's issue and I'm gonna to try to do it as best as I can but I'm probably gonna stumble or say something wrong or offend somebody it's hard to do this without doing any of those things so I ask for grace on the front end or as close to the front end as I can remember to do it but I do think it's infinitely important that people use their privilege to take up for those without it for instance I'm a male I have male privilege I will take up for women's issues I ride hard for women's issues just like I expect my white friends to use their white privilege to take up for my issues that's what real advocacy looks like. That's what real allyship looks like. It's having those conversations where you're taking up for people who lack the privilege when you're in a room full of people who have the privilege. As it relates to reproductive rights, first things first, I guess it's a credit to the Republican party for branding, right? They usually get branding, right? Whether or not the the logic or the principles make sense, the branding is usually on point, right? Like I remember when the phrase defund the police like took off. And I remember like I lost my woke card a lot of times debating with my liberal friends. Like that is a stupid ass phrase. Like we have all this momentum and, and everything that it stands for is right. It's absolutely correct. But if I say defund the police and I have to go into a long Diatribe to explain what defund the police means every single time I say it to somebody who I'm trying to maybe win over their opinion or sway public opinion, I'm already losing the messaging war. Time spent explaining is time spent losing when it comes to political messaging like that. That's why you'll see early I was like, we should go with refund the community or reimagine policing. And people will be like, well, weirdo, it's supposed to be shocking. It's supposed to be shocking. Oh, it's supposed to be jarring. Mm. What good is being right if it's you're not effective what good is having the right position if you can't effectively communicate it but anyway that's not this episode on the flip side of that when you hear pro-life you're like oh my gosh that's so pious and yes we're all in favor of life yes i love that right it sounds so good so the branding is 100 like well done but it's entirely misleading i could argue morally bankrupt for instance the same supreme court that tells me that they are pro-life or that their personal religion preferences are pro-life is the same supreme court that allow death penalties to be expedited. People who are so pro-life have none of the same energy when it comes to the death penalty. The disconnect between that is staggering. Or how about this? Yes, tell me more about how you're so pro-life, but you're anti-black lives matter, but you're pro-death penalty, but you're pro-blue lives matter. (laughs) Make it make sense. As if blue is some sort of life. You guys remember from the first episode, the police officer himself called his uniform a costume. And he's not wrong, right? It could be taken off. There's a human being underneath that. You don't see vets walking around saying green lives matter <laughs> arbitrary morality it's random it has no rhyme or reason you tell me you're pro-life you want to force a woman to have a baby but you don't want to vote to maintain social safety nets that would give that woman child care or after school programs <laughs> you have to admit and we have to do a better job as well they are not pro-life they are pro-fetus they are pro- pre-birth and we must start acknowledging them as such because that is the extent in which they care to for human life once it comes out of the womb fuck them who cares if they can afford a daycare who cares if they can afford to eat three times a day who cares if the woman lives or dies and to me the transparency of the pro fetus movement is so clear listen to this in this week's podcast of the week slate does a show called amicus it's all about the supreme court it's hosted by dahlia lithwick and she is joined by two women guests one a professor of law the other a reproductive rights advocate. The professor Michelle Goodwin notes that black women are 3 times more likely to die in America than white women giving birth. That number jumps way higher if you live in many of Texas's counties. Now imagine, with that as the backdrop, if you were actually pro-life, wouldn't you be putting way more energy towards correcting that stat? Again, black women 3 times more likely to die in America than white women giving birth, and that number jumps up way higher if you live in many of Texas's counties. That is horrific. And instead of addressing that first, you want to force that woman to carry that baby to term in which she is putting her life on the line, just merely having a birth, save for even if it was a high risk pregnancy, they are not pro-life, they are pro-fetus, they are pro-pre-birth, it's exactly like I tweeted, they are not pro-life, they are anti-separation of church and state they are pro-religious zealotry pro pre-birth but they are absolutely not pro-life the god they claim to serve would be embarrassed and i stand by that so firmly you can't tell me the way they terrorize women on the way to make one of the most difficult decisions of their lives standing outside shouting holding these deplorable signs emotionally terrorizing these women as they are going to make the most difficult of decisions How Drake said it, don't say that in the Bible. (laughs) It can't be something that their Lord looks down on like, yes, thank you so much for doing that. Engaging in psychological warfare at some of these quote unquote crisis centers where they make women watch these disturbingly manipulative videos about the fetus in the womb. And as egregious, the extent of what we used to call the pro-life movements care for life is exerted solely on the uterus of women. Nowhere else, because their preservation of life somehow evaporates when it comes to the death penalty. You clearly don't care about the child after it's born having a social safety net. You don't care about the lives of quote unquote illegal immigrants. You don't care about the well being of migrants. You don't care about the vets we send over to war when they come back, because again, that same pro life energy is not reserved for them. What a weird, oddly specific place to hold all your pro life love, which is again why we have to be honest. They are pro fetus. Don't care about anything else of actual substance except for your ability to control a woman's uterus. That's mind blowing. And a lot of them don't even really believe what it is they're saying. They just kowtowing to like what we know popular Republican talking points to be. For instance, former President Donald Trump donated to pro abortion causes before he decided that he needed to win Republican elections. You guys remember earlier in the episode when I talked about beer and circuits, not to trivialize what I'm talking about here at all, but to me, this is like one of those beer and circus type topics that they give us to fight over just so we don't talk about the Pandora Papers. And again, I need you guys to look that up if you haven't yet and call your congressman and ask them what they are going to do about it. You know what I'm saying? And these sort of something out of nothing issues, whether it be the right of transgender athletes to play sports, even though they don't have anybody in their district who plays sports that is transgender or critical race theory without ever really knowing what critical race theory really even is or bathroom bills. <laughs> Something out of nothing issues. Fodders to keep us distracted from like the real shit, like real shit that can be making real impact on real lives. 2021, we're arguing about whether or not a woman should be able to control her own body. And what's wild is you're only really eliminating the access of poor women to these abortion facilities. Because these politicians that you are here keeping up for who's voting for these these bills or whatever, you think if Justice Brett Kavanaugh impregnates his intern and he wants an abortion, you think he's not gonna fly her to wherever abortions are legal and have the connections to get that abortion done? You think if Mitch McConnell impregnates his secretary That he's not going to have the connections and money to fly her to wherever it needs to be domestic or international to get that abortion done. Absolutely. They will. They will use it when it's necessary for them. But you are making it difficult for the average for Brenda down the street to go to her local Planned Parenthood and get an abortion and therefore trapping her in a cycle of poverty, her and her children in a cycle of poverty. It's diabolical. Cause then when she needs government assistance, you will then turn around and call her a welfare queen for asking for food stamps or assistance after you restricted her access to do what she needs to do to increase her likelihood of moving upward class-wise. Diabolical. It's it's the most strange mindfuck. And people just blindly follow it under some guise of arbitrary morality. And of course, because this is America, we cannot separate this issue from that of race because where those guess what you know where the framework of this very bill came from fugitive slave law that's right when the government used to deputize private citizens to catch runaway slaves trying to go find refuge It's the same logic, it's the same framework that they're using now for this Texas abortion law. Go look it up, trust but verify, go look it up. It's actually Professor Michelle Goodwin who makes this observation in her appearance on the Amicus podcast. This Texas abortion law is a direct descendant from fugitive slave law in America. A good friend of mine who has her line of work directly impacted by issues like this, very much in the pro-choice camp, but she wanted to escape the echo chamber. She wanted to go listen to what, the others how the other side was thinking about this new law and she came across tucker Carlson's show and on this show he said elections have consequences and the people of texas elected these these politicians thus they were just doing the will of the people tuckums said that this law was democracy at work and on the very surface superficial level tucker's right they were elected officials however we're weirdos so we got to clearly think about this you can't really, in good faith, call a democracy working when you gerrymander a state to where the legislature does not even effectively reflect the constituency. When you pass voter rights laws that make it so difficult for anyone who doesn't agree with you, anyone you don't want to vote, can't vote, has to jump through hoops. That's not democracy. That's ideological minority rule. You are clearly rigging the game and then saying, look, we won fair and square. No, motherfucker, we see you cheating. And look, I am quick to chastise a disengaged citizenry. Always. I feel like we need to be more engaged with our democracy. But it is damn near impossible to out-organize restrictive voter rights laws. And they know that, which is why they do that, why they pass things like that. If it wasn't important, if it wasn't effective, they wouldn't do it. So, yes, of course, everybody who can vote should vote. The numbers show what good things happen when most Americans can get out and vote. Why wouldn't you want all Americans to all eligible Americans to vote and make it easy? But I'm not going to pretend like I don't see the whole game, especially when they make it so clear and transparent. Hell, sometimes they even tell you they play the dog whistles too loudly, which brings me back to my main premise. The pro fetus, pro pre-birth crowd always tells me life begins at conception. And I say, let's stop it before it even gets there. Let us move to mandate vasectomies today. (laughs) And then, you know, what we can do after that. We can go after masturbation after that, because there is something to be said about, you know, semen being a life form right there. And you're like, what are you doing? Jerking into your sock every other day. I think that is an issue that the pro fetus crowd needs to take up as well for some odd patriarchal reason i don't think they would gain the same amount of traction <laughs> for anti-masturbation rights legislation as they have for anti-abortion rights legislation but they need to come on and walk it like they talking now and they need to pass laws restricting that as soon as possible but until then let us all agree that vasectomies are the way forward certified vasectomy lover boy Blow up! Blow up! Shabba! Blow up class! Hotter than my pressure cooker pot. Hotter than my mother pot. Yo, ma, make sure you listen to the bomb buckler. radio class class, you know what I'm mean? I Real, real bomb thing. You get the full thing, yeso. Anything you want, we give you the true, the adventic messages. We now want nothing back. Blow up! Blow up, Blow up! More fire! Burn it! Burn it! Burn it! All right, y'all. So, the artist of the decade, the biggest artist in the universe, won Drizzy Drink, Champagne Poppy, dropped the project last month, certified lover boy. And I have about three minutes to tell you about it. So, I will undoubtedly forget <laughs> some things I wanted, so much I want to say about this album. But it's just been interesting to watch. Like, I think some of the appeal of Drake is just that black male vulnerability that you do not get. You didn't get to see a lot from a lot of artists. You know, yes, male sensitivity and vulnerability in general, but specifically is a different level of black repression when it comes to that rap music, hip hop music can be supercharged with so much toxic masculinity and misogyny, hyper misogyny. I don't have time today to go into why that is, why that is, and why it's like been allowed, by and large, for so much. Another episode, another day. But Drizzy Drake occupies a space where he can be as sensitive and vulnerable as any black man has ever been allowed to be. And the reason why the ladies love him and the fellas all rock with him is because of that. That level of vulnerability and running being able to experience your whole range of emotions as a human, that shit is hyper relatable. I believe TI called it like emo rap. In that realm, Drake is unprecedented in that space. Because hide as we might try to from it, we are all very emotional beings. So it was just refreshing when he came on the scene. And even till now. And this particular project, he told us, I mean, he called the project Certified Lover Boy. And one thing you won't find about me is I don't do microwave reviews. Like if an album comes out. I'm not going to review it the next day or two days You got to let an album marinate And depending on, you know, who dropped You got to really give it a chance to breathe, you know There's so much hype I imagine Drake did himself a little bit of a disservice By telling us that I was going to drop like a year ago And just sitting on it and sitting on it and sitting on it And almost sometimes like that, you can't live up to the hype And to be honest, we all really wanted it to be good Especially coming off the beef with the Kanye whole situation. Except for that, it is Drizzy Drake. Drake delivered a really, really good album. Is it his best album? Absolutely not. But what I think is very important is that people need to be clear on the name of the album is Certified Lover Boy. He's been walking around with a heart in his hair for what, a year and a half. So if you were coming to to this album looking for like anything other than emo sing song drake you came to the wrong place i saw this great back and forth on twitter a guy said drake and his music is only talking about women and x y and z and there's all the societal stuff going on and the person replied back the album is called certified lover boy not cnn you know what i'm saying like if you want news you come to the word away podcast you go you go to my twitter feed okay but you don't come to certified lover boy looking for discussions about climate change or the Pandora Papers, please go research that. It'd be like going to a Mexican restaurant and asking for Indian food, <laughs> you know? The album is Certified lover boy. I'm going to a Jamaican spot and I'm asking for sushi. What's happening? What are you talking about? He told you what it was. So I think the album really delivers on that. The fact that you even got tracks like no friends in the industry and knife talk was kind of a bonus really it was because it was really kind of off-brand for what the album was supposed to be but they were great tracks it was a much needed change of tempo there are two sub genres of music that i've kind of named that have kind of taken precedence in modern times right the first genre i call Fuckboy boy r&b you may have never thought of it like that before, but you know it when you hear it. When you hear Drake and Brent Fayez, uh, Wasted Times, Fuckboy R&B. Beautiful ballad. But when you listen to the lyrics, all right, fuckboy, all right, play girl," Or a track on CLB, like, Get Along Better With Your Friend. Listen to those lyrics. That is peak fuckboy, okay? <laughs> the other subgenre is, of course, ratchet women's rap, which I just, I love, like, the confidence in that and like the owning of your sexuality and the honesty and the transactional nature of ratchet women's rap. I could go on a whole other tangent about that. Women like Megan Thee Stallion, who she never gets mentioned as one of the best rappers of a generation, but she absolutely should be. Like even on a a track like Thought Shit or Body Audio or whatever, her lyrics are crazy. Like she is very, very good with the wordplay, double entendres, everything that goes into what makes a great mainstream rapper. Megan Thee Stallion does that lyrically. She should be mentioned more often with The Best in the Game. But really, what I love is that it like, they're taking back the narrative in ratchet women's rap for so long, men got to dictate what these relationships were in rap music culture, what the terms of relationship were, what the definition of these phrases and things meant. Now nah, women like Sweetie and Nikki and Cardi and Lotto, they're like, nah, it's my turn to speak now. And you can even hear them going on the same beats where men used to say X, Y, and Z about those type of women. They're claim they're reclaiming the narrative and that's just dope to see. But back to CLB, Peak fuckboy music, peak playgirl music (laughs) And it's a really good album, it's a really good album You can appreciate it even if you aren't a fuckboy or a playgirl You can appreciate the sentiment behind it But without further ado, let me get you these album review grades Okay, I think I'm going to go more in depth with this When I do the album of the year reviews But rapid fire, I got Best feature as jay-z love all That's probably no surprise that track is incredible this one actually i think is one of the ones that got leaked early and still slapped. i could have actually went with little dirk too because he shouted out his woman in his song just for the free promo and i respect the fuck out of that plus that's a fire ass song in the bible all right most valuable track it's tough man it's tough of course way too sexy as a hit but you guys know i don't go off of that Pipe down. I'm gonna go ahead and tell y'all right now. It's honorable mention without any more explanation than that because it's it's tough, man. This album has a lot of great songs on it, but for me, most viable track, "Race My Mind." I love that track. It gives me Michael Jackson vibes. Doesn't it give y'all Michael Va- Jackson vibes? Like that's what he was going for there, and if he was, he nailed it. I know Drake wants to be talked about as one of the greatest artists to ever exist. Not gonna lie, my top five right now kind of looks like Erika Badu, Frank Sinatra, Bob Marley, Michael Jackson. And while I can't say Drake is number five, he's definitely in that five to 10 range. He's around it. And you could tell he's at a place to be mentioned among the greatest to ever do it because every project he drops everyone expects has to be the greatest thing ever all hits no misses that's where the anticipation level is now that's where the bar has to be set now with that being said certified lover boy gets a weirdo b plus grade weirdo a person who is extraordinary extraordinary. strange or eccentric Alright weirdos, that's a wrap. Did I get canceled? Am I canceled? (laughs) I talked about 9-11. I talked about abortion. Jeez! We're not running away from no important issues on the Weirdo Way podcast. We gotta speak on these things We gotta be engaged citizens We cannot be disengaged citizens any longer Too much important stuff going on Oh Minneapolis We have an election coming up in November And I personally am voting yes For question two Trust but verify As always Make sure you tell your loved ones you love them Check up on your strong friends And we'll be back here soon I'm coming to you live from a undisclosed studio. And by studio, I mean (laughs) bedroom closet. I'll talk to y'all soon. Weirdo out.